How is everybody doing out there? Great to see you. You guys look good. I love looking at this room, seeing all these faces, faces I know, some I don't know, different ages, young and old. It's a family of God. Man, that was good worship, wasn't it? I don't know about you, but there was a real moment there when I just felt, I really felt the presence of God just fill up this room in a very tangible way. God is here tonight, man. Amen. He's here and he wants to talk to you. He wants to speak with you. And this wasn't really a part of what I was going to share, but I felt during worship, I just felt led to, to, to start here. You know, God is the goal. God is the goal. If you're taking notes, write that down. God is the goal. If you make God the goal, I'm just telling you, everything else is going to fall into place. And we're, we're going to, over the next couple days, we're going to help you with some stuff to help you tackle some of the issues of life and to be better. You know, events like this are so great because we get to pull away. We get to disconnect. Um, I'm sure many of you, like me, have had even a good drive out here, had an opportunity. Maybe you carpooled with some guys, got to have some good conversation. I got to carpool with a guy I really like, my dad, and that's always good. He shared some stuff with me. I, I added several things to my notes tonight because of the conversation I had with him on the way up here. And, uh, but man, I, I really do believe that there's an impartation that's going to take place, but it starts with God being the goal. Yes. The goal of, of what I want to share with you tonight, I want to help you, but, but really, man, we, we have got to make our number one heart's pursuit. God wants to be number one in your life. And we have to pursue him with everything we have. So before we go any further, let's just take a moment right now. And let's just say, God, we're here for you. We are here for you. Lord, we are here for you. We are here to be with you. No, no matter what we came, whatever our expectation was for this weekend, we're here for you, Lord. We want you to have your way in this place. We, we don't know what we need. You know what we need. We don't know. We think we know. We may have come out here with a, with a form of expectation of what we think we need, Lord, but, but you know. And so we say, we humble ourselves right now. We offer ourselves fully to you. We invite you to speak. Put your hands out in front of you. Like you're, like you're getting ready. Somebody's going to put something in your hands. Lord, we say we need you. And we invite you to speak to us. We invite you to minister to us. We invite you. Lord, you see these open hands of these men. I pray you'd fill them. Fill them right now. Fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill them afresh with the Spirit of God, Spirit of life, the Spirit of power that we need. Yes. Say that with me. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Fill, me. fill me. I need you. I want you. Speak to me tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So glad that you're here. So excited. It's always so good when we get men together. And man, I, I'll tell you, Honestly, some of the greatest worship experiences I've ever had are in settings like this. There's something so powerful about men coming together and worshiping God. There's a beautiful, beautiful thing that takes place. Uh, I, I want to just take a moment real quick, and I just want to thank Josh Romano. Amen. Yes. I'm so proud of you, my friend. I don't know what I would do without you. You have been such a, a great Ever since I first saw you, you stood out to me, and not just because you're huge. You are huge. You're huge. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. But you know what? I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. 
the spirit of God is huge and the anointing is huge. And that's what stood out. There's a lot of big dudes that show up at church, but there's a, there's a great call in your life. And I just want to thank you for listening and having a heart to serve one of the greatest servants I've ever known. I've never asked you to do anything that you haven't said yes to. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of you. And thank you for all your hard work, for all the, your team, everybody that's involved. So many great guys here tonight. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. Philippians 3.14 says this, I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now go back to God being the goal, remember? <laughs> That's the goal. The, 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 the goal to win the heavenly prize. What's the heavenly prize? To be with God. To be with Him in perfect harmony with Him. Connected with Him. That's the goal. We want to be close to God. And so notice, it's a, there's a press on in that. That's what we call this event, upward, upward, uh, upward call, is because there's, a, there's an upward call pursuing God, but there's a pressing on that's required. We've got to press on. So there's things that we're going to have to do in order to position ourselves for what God wants to do in our life and what God wants to do through our life. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be in Genesis 1 and 2 tonight. We're going to start at the beginning, because in the beginning, God established a lot of things. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is the power of purpose in a man's life. The power of purpose in a man's life. And what I really want to get into tonight is why it's so important that you have dreams and visions, a God dream, a God vision for your life, why that is so important for you. Genesis chapter one, we're starting here because in the beginning of Genesis, in these first two chapters specifically, God is setting a precedent for a lot of things. He's establishing a lot of things here. Uh, and, and, and when you understand what God was doing and how he was setting things up in Genesis one and two and his original intent, it really helps us have a greater understanding of how God wants it to be and what God wants to do in our lives today. Um, it helps us to see our purpose the right way. You know, purpose is a big deal, right? Yeah. When something is operating within its given purpose, it functions properly. When it's not, it don't, right? Yeah. Like for example, if, uh, if I'm making you guys breakfast and so I get out my toaster and I'm going to make you a Josh Blunt breakfast, toast, I'm gonna make you some toast because that's the kind of breakfast I can make. I can make some toast. So I get out my toaster and I get out some butter, because you got to have butter on your toast, right? And I get out maybe some jelly for some of you guys. Anybody like jelly? Amen. Want some jelly? Okay. And then I get out my flathead screwdriver. <laughs> How many of you know, I can probably still make you some toast. I can probably figure out a way to butter that toast with a flathead screwdriver. I can probably figure out a way to cut that toast with a flathead screwdriver. But how many of you know, it just ain't quite right, is it? That, that screwdriver was not designed to make toast. It was designed to screw in flathead screws. And so if I want it to function properly, I have to put it to its designed purpose. Okay, here's where I'm going. When God created you, he created you for a purpose. He created you on purpose, for a purpose. And what we see here in Genesis 1 and 2 is we get a glimpse into what that original purpose was. Our purpose is important. So I want to help you understand that. Hosea 4.6 says people are destroyed 
because they have a lack of knowledge. And I think a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of marriages, a lot of kids are being destroyed because men have a lack of knowledge. It's not because you're stupid. You're not stupid. Turn to the person beside you and say, you ain't stupid. You're not stupid. Turn to the other person and say, you just don't know. You just don't know, bro. You just don't know. you got a lack of knowledge. So we need some knowledge. Look at this verse, Proverbs 28, 16. A ruler, which by the way, God created you to have dominion. He created you to be a ruler in this world. I hope you know that. But look at this. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor. So even though God created you to, to operate in dominion and actually be a person that brings freedom and life and healing that actually adds to this world, if you don't understand, if you have a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge, you can end up being someone who's oppressive. We don't want that, right? So I hope you get some knowledge tonight. You ready to get some knowledge? Let's pray and let's get some knowledge. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it is life to us. We believe that. I, want, I, I ask that you speak to us tonight through your word. What we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and what we are not please make us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to jump right into this. If you're taking notes, write this down. God designed the man to be God's foundation for the human family. When God designed the man, he designed you to be the foundation of the human family. Now, many of us, we, we hear that we were created to be the head. And listen, that's a biblical concept and it's true. Where we get off is how we, what we think that looks like. Because we think of it, we think of headship from the perspective of like a head on a body. And so we think of it from this place of, of the high point looking down. But, but I want you to think about something. God is a good builder, right? Like if God is going to create a structure, he's going to create it to be strong and to stand up. And any good builder knows if you're building a building, you don't start with the roof. The roof is important, but where you start is with the foundation. The foundation is what everything else is built upon. And, and when the foundation is strong, everything else built upon it can draw from the strength of the foundation to find stability. So when God created, he created man first. Why? Because man was created first to be the foundation of the family so that the family could draw strength from the foundation. You track with me, say, I got this. Okay, so, so turn the person beside you and say, it's on me. If I'm the foundation, then that means it's on me. This is on me. My marriage, it's on me. Like we're taking responsibility tonight, right guys? We're not passing the buck. We're not handing this off. We're not saying it's on you. It's your fault that it's like this. No, no, no. We're going to say this. We're the foundation, so it's on me. Look at the other person say, it's on me. Okay, so, so now let's, let's zoom out a little bit. Let's talk about why God created human beings, okay? God created us. Before we get into Genesis 1, we're getting there. I promise we're going to get there. Hold your, hold your place. We're going to get there. Before we get there, let's, let's talk about the overall big idea of what God was doing when he created us. The Bible really is this. It's, it's a book about a king, a kingdom, and a royal family. The Bible is a book about a king, a kingdom, and a royal family. Nod your head if you're following. The king is God, right? The king is King Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, king. The kingdom is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. 
And the royal family, whether you know this or not, if you're a child of God, that's you. You're a part of that. You're a part of the royal family. And so when God created the earth, what he was wanting to do was he was wanting to expand the kingdom of heaven. And so he created a place, he created the earth, and he created on the earth a location for the kingdom of heaven to take expansion. And so what God was wanting to do is bring the kingdom of heaven realities into this new world that he was creating. Uh, a great picture of the kind of concept that God was establishing is in the picture of colonization. Colonization, okay? If you know anything about colonization, I think the greatest example of this that we have that we've kind of been able to see in our lifetime over the past you know, several hundred years is the kingdom of England, right? It's called the kingdom of England. And the kingdom of England at one point had many colonies, colonies all over the world. Tondra knows what I'm talking about. They had colonies in different places. And so if you go to certain places in the world, places like uh, Australia, the Bahamas, Africa, there's certain places that you go there, and when you go there, what you experience in that place is the colonization power of a kingdom. Because you go to these places, and even though it's not England, they do a lot of English stuff. They speak British English. They have coffee time four times a day. They draw two times a day. Tea. Tea. I'm sorry. You're right. Tea time. Four times a day? Two? Four? Four times a day. Four times a day. Interesting, right? Four times a day to having tea. It's crazy. Jared, do you like tea? No. Jared doesn't like tea. I, saw, I, was talking about tea, I was talking about tea this weekend. I saw you nodding your head in the back like I hate tea. You just see it on you. Hate tea. I'm going to get that boy some tea. Some tea time tomorrow. Me and you, tea time. But they drive on the left-hand side of the road. What's happened is, is the kingdom rule of one area has colonized another area. And so they brought... The king, one kingdom has influenced another realm. This is what God wanted to do. This is why he put uh, us here on this earth, as he was wanting to bring about colonization. This is why when the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What did he say? He said, okay, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, in another location, how would be your name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven. So he wanted to bring a kingdom. And it's still, listen, that's still what he wants to do. This is still the work of God. This is, this is why we're a kingdom culture church. We're, we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven down. We're not going to live from the culture up. Amen? So, so, God, so we're here as God's, uh, as God's people, as his children, as his family, to help establish his kingdom and bring it to this earth. So look at this, Genesis chapter 1. And as we look at this, let me remind you, we're going to look at Genesis 1 and 2, and Genesis 1 and 2 come before Genesis 3, okay? So for those of you who are new at this, <laughs> I know, deep, right? But that's a big deal because Genesis 3, everything falls apart. And Genesis 3 is where this snake shows up, this serpent shows up, and he's crafty, and things began to fall apart. And there's a there's sin enters the world, and a curse enters the world. Now, I'm reminding you, Jesus came to crush the curse. The, crush, the curse has been crushed. It's done. But, but what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is the original, what God wanted, what he was establishing. And because the curse has been crushed, this is what we're fighting for. So we're going back here to remind ourselves of how it started, because this is what we should be 
pursuing. Verse 26, look at this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. Dominion. Say it like you're a man. Dominion. Dominion. Let Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Notice the first thing that God created us to have is dominion. Dominion, that word dominion means to govern, to rule, to control, to manage, to master. You were designed by God to have dominion, to walk in dominion, to to be in a position of management and authority. But I want you to notice something. It doesn't say that you're to have dominion over people. It doesn't say that. You're not to have dominion over people. You're not to dominate. Listen, when I say dominion over people, that includes your children and that includes your spouse. You're not to dominate them. You're not to lord over them. You're to lead them. And you're to lead them by serving them. You're to lead them by casting vision that they can grab a hold of and run with. Listen, this is what real leadership looks like. You, know, you guys are here tonight. A lot of you are men. You, you come to New Song Church. A lot of these guys down here in the front row, they serve on my, my team. And you could, you could ask every one of them. Not one of them did I ever go up to them and go, hey, you're coming to work for me now. Get in, get in there and start working, and this is what I'm paying you. And if you don't like it, tough. Like, that's not how it works. I, I didn't do that. What did I do? I got a God vision, and I began to run with that purpose, and I began to lead from that purpose, and I began to share that purpose, and, and men saw that purpose, and they came alongside that purpose. That's why many of you are here at New Song. Because you, you see what we're doing, and you say, I, I can agree with that. I can, I can come alongside that. I can run with that. I want to run with that. So, so here's I'm, I'm, this is a little leadership nugget for you. Leaders don't have to go chase people down. Leaders just simply get the God vision they share it, they live from it, and people will, will attach themselves to that vision. Look at this, verse 27, Genesis 1, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now look at this. Male and female, he created them. Now, Genesis 1 is uh, it's, it's kind of a summary of the creation story. In Genesis 2, we get into more of the details of what's actually going to happen here. But Genesis 1 is just kind of a summary, summarizing all, all of the things that are going on. But, but a couple of things I want you to notice. Notice, first of all, in Genesis 1, God creates the man. He's the foundation. Then he creates them. When he creates them, it's talking about he creates Eve. He creates marriage. He creates the family. And notice, it's after that that things begin to really start to bloom. Look at this, verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, we know Eve's on the scene now because Adam can't do that on his own. In order for that to take place, Eve's got to be on the scene. It says, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. So what what God originally says to to the heavenly realm, we're going to create man, we're going to give him dominion, He tells to man after Eve is on the scene. After he's found a woman connected with her and they're going to do their thing together. Then dominion is offered up. You guys tracking with me so far? So God's God's demand upon the family was to fill the earth. Not just on the man. It was on the man and the woman together. That's powerful. Listen, you can do a lot. 
But you can do a lot more with a, with a strong, godly woman beside you. Okay, so jump over to Genesis 2 now. Genesis 2. I'm establishing something. I hope you guys are hanging with me. I promise we'll get more teaching in a minute, but I, I got a bunch of men. This ain't, this ain't Sunday church. We're going a little bit deeper tonight. You good with that? Genesis 2. We're going to get some more detail here. Look a little bit closer at what God was doing. Look at this. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. Why? Well, look at what it says next. And there was no man to till the ground. So something here that you need to see. God refused to allow anything to progress until there was some man on the earth to manage it. So, so get this. Management is a big deal to God. How you manage something is important to the growth God will release and allow to take place. When there's no management, God restrains growth. So I see some young people in here tonight. I see some old people in here tonight. My question is, how are you managing what God gave you? You want more. How are you managing what you got? Well, I want to get married. Well, how are you treating the, the women in your life? Whoever that is. Is that your sister? I know that one hits home, some of you guys. Sister, I got to treat my sister right? Uh-huh. How are you treating your mom? How are you treating your girlfriend? Are you honoring her? Respecting her? You want more? You got to manage well what God's given you. Verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Boy, there's a lot here. God takes this dirt, and he turns it into a human man. And, and then he breathes into it. And you know what he breathes into it? He breathes a spirit into it, a spirit from the Spirit of God. That's the life he breathes into this. And so, so listen, this stuff, pinch your skin, that's not you. That's the shell. That's the dirt. That's not the real you. The real you is that spirit. And that spirit was breathed from the, from the breath of God. That's where it started. It started in Adam, and that spirit's still going to this day. Every one of you was born out of that same spirit. The spirit of God breathed life. And so that's why the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you, someday you're going to leave this shell behind, but, but your spirit will live on and keep going. This is just your, your, your casing, just a casing. Someday we get a glorified casing. That's going to be sweet. It'll be thin. It'll have abs. How many are you excited about having abs again? How many of you never had abs before? <laughs> Casey, you have abs. Yeah. It's a faith statement. Verse 8, <laughs> the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So man is in the garden, but Eve is not on the scene at this point. This is before Eve. Man's been placed there. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. All right? So I've gotten through all of the establishing stuff here. 
So let's start breaking this down a little bit. Let's start looking at the original intent, the original design, how God originally created stuff so we can understand what God expects of us and how we connect with God and walk in the vision and the purpose he has for us. If that sounds good, say amen. amen. Okay, so first of all, God put the man in Eden. God put the man in Eden. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Now, Eden is a, is a Hebrew word. And it means uh, delight. It also means pleasure. So it was a good place, a place of delight, a place of, of pleasure. And, and really, it represents a couple of things. First of all, um, I thought for a long time when God created the earth that the whole earth was perfect. But that's not the case. Eden was perfect. And, and, and Eden was a location. The whole earth wasn't a big garden. That's why God said, you're too to take this and you're to fill the earth with this. See, that was the assignment. Eden was a heaven on earth type place. God says, okay, I want you to expand my kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, you're going to expand it here on earth. So I'm going to establish it here. And then your job is to expand the borders of it. Take it, fill the earth, subdue it with this, this, this kingdom here. Okay, so that's how it started. Now, here's what it looks like today. When you get saved, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, the kingdom of heaven comes inside of you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, uh, Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. So here's what happens. You get saved, God establishes heaven in you. His kingdom is now in you. According to God, you are perfect in your spirit. That's what heaven's going to be like. That's perfect. And now your job is to expand the kingdom is to take this kingdom inside of you and, and push the borders of it out into this earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You take what God placed in you and you begin to move it and, and begin to spread the borders into the world around you, into your family, into your workplace, into every environment you come in contact with. Heaven comes into contact with that environment because heaven lives in you. Can I get an amen? So that's the first picture we have here. But beyond that, Eden is also a picture of the presence of God. It's a place of delight, and it's a place of pleasure in the presence of God. In fact, the Hebrew word for Eden, Hebrew words are very interesting if you've ever studied this before. Because Hebrew words, uh, they have several things to them. There's, there's pictures related to Hebrew letters. There's letters, there's numbers, and there's even like strokes related to a, a Hebrew word. So the Hebrew word for Eden has five strokes. Here, here they are. Spot, moment, presence, Open door, delightful. Spot, moment, presence, open door, delightful. So here's what this means. God took man and put him in a spot for a moment where the presence of God would open the door to the delight of heaven. Isn't that awesome? So, so Eden, you were created by God to live in Eden. You were created by God to live, listen, in the presence of God. If you're going to be the man that God's called you to be, you have to be a man in pursuit of the presence of God. We have to pursue it. And so here's, the, here's how God works. Anytime God creates something, when he creates something, he always creates it, and then he places it in an environment where it can be sustained and it can thrive. This is how the creation process worked. So what does God do? He creates fish, but before he creates fish, he creates water. So before he creates the fish, he creates the environment that the, the fish can live in, that can sustain it, and that it can thrive in. He creates plants. What does he do? He creates the earth first. 
soil so that the plant can be established in it so it can be sustained and it can thrive in it. He creates stars, but before he creates stars, he creates firmament. And it's in the firmament that the stars can be established and they can thrive. Okay, so keep track of me here. He creates man, but before he creates man, he creates Eden. So get this. Fish need water. Plants need dirt. Stars need firmament. And man needs Eden. Man needs, listen, the presence of God. And in the presence of God, you are sustained and you can thrive. So this is why God invites us and says, hey, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to worship God because in my presence is fullness of joy. In my presence, you can thrive. In my presence, you are sustained. It's in the presence of God that we find it. And when we lift our hands and worship God and praise him, we come into the presence of God because he inhabits what? The praises of his people. Are you following me? But also, listen, if you don't get in the presence of God, Stuff falls apart. Take a fish out of water, what happens? It dies. Take a plant out of dirt, what happens? It dies. Take a star out of the firmament, what happens? It burns up, becomes a meteorite, and dies. Take a man out of the presence of God, what happens? He begins to die spiritually. And you know what happens all around him? Death. We begin to bring death into our environments. So we have to be a people that continue to come back to the presence of God. God put the man in Eden. Let me ask you something. Are you putting the man in Eden? Are you putting yourself in the presence of God? Are you with me tonight? Are you doing that? Because you got to do it. It's on you. That's right. It's on me. Somebody say, it's on me. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. That's the presence to tend and keep it. Notice he gave him a job. He gave him an assignment. To tend, that means to work it. This is where he gives him a purpose. He gives him a vision. He gives him a, a God-ordained task. The job was to tend and keep, to cultivate and protect. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man. So now he commands him. And when he gives him this command, he was teaching him something. And his expectation was, I'm going to teach you something so that you teach somebody else. And we all know Adam didn't do such a good job of this. Because what happens, the serpent comes to Eve. He starts talking to Eve about what, the, what this earth is all about and what God said. And she don't know. She's confused. She says all sorts of messed up stuff. She says, God said we shouldn't even touch the fruit. God never said that. But somewhere the communication got off. Remember, she's not on the scene. So who was supposed to tell her that? The man. He didn't do his job. He didn't pass on the vision. Didn't pass on the lesson like he was supposed to. Wow. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. So God gave him responsibility. Now remember, all this instruction has taken place before Eve is on the scene. God told him, Everything's hanging on you. It's on me, right? It's on me. And since this is literally the beginning, we see a lot of firsts established here. First of all, we see the man was created first. Now, he's first. That doesn't mean he's better. That actually means he's more responsible. He's the, he's the foundation. So he's responsible for everything else that's going to come on top. First thing that God gave man was image. 
The first place God put man was in Eden, in the presence. The first assignment God gave man was to work, to cultivate, and to protect. The first command God gave man was to, to obey and teach. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because this is how God established stuff. So he's establishing this is original intent. So this, listen, this is what we should still be doing. This is what it's supposed to look like. Okay, so let's break it down. The first thing God gave man was image. It's the first thing he, got, he, he gave him. Let us make man in our image. Here's a question for you. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself for real? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? When you look at yourself, do you see the image of God on you? When you look at yourself, do you see your past, your mistakes? Do you see the hurts? How do you, how do you see yourself? You know, the question really in life is not, is bad, are bad things going to happen? Every one of us are going to face bad stuff in life. That's clear. Jesus, if you've been at New Song, and you guys all have, you've heard me say this before, Jesus Actually, one of the promises of God is that you're going to face bad stuff. It's not the promise we necessarily put on the refrigerator, but it is a promise of God. He said, you will face trials. You're going to face stuff. So the question is not, am I going to face stuff? The question is, what am I going to do when I face this stuff? What am I going to do when I face hurt? What am I going to do when I face rejection? What am I going to do with my past? What am I going to do with, with the fact that my dad wasn't there? What am I going to do with the fact that I was promiscuous? What am I going to do with the fact that now I've got a porn addiction? What am I going to do with this stuff now? Am I going to live from it? Or am I going to see myself the way God sees me and rise above it? See, so often what we do is we have this stuff happen, and then we allow that stuff to define us, and we live from it. We begin to live our life from it. But, but someone needs to hear this tonight. Your identity is not determined by what you've done. It's not determined by your past. Your identity is determined by the cross of Jesus Christ. That's, that's your identity. You are, the Bible says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. If you're a child of God, that's who you are. So you need to live from that. Your past doesn't define you. Your sins don't define you. Your mistakes don't define you. Jesus defined you. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, you are. Somebody say, you are. You are. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. How many of you were at church on Sunday? You heard me talk about meditation. You are there? I want to encourage you. This is a great verse to meditate on. To, to, to spend some time in this verse. Break each one of these things down. If you find yourself struggling with your identity, if you find yourself going back to your past a lot, l- look at this stuff. Get into it. Dig into it. There's, there is a butt ton of meat in this for you, just so you know. A chosen people. A royal priesthood. When you understand priesthood and a royal priesthood, good Lord. A holy nation. I'm telling you, it's some... Is some beef, is some fatty meat here. Marbled meat in this verse here. Marbleization. Aged. It's good stuff. This is Wagyu. Get in it. <laughs> Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's who you are. That's who you are. You need to come to terms with that. So I'd encourage you to meditate on that. Go over it. Speak it. When you start struggling with your past, start speaking this. I thank you, Lord. I am a chosen generation. I'm a part of the royal priesthood of God. I am a, a part of a holy nation. I belong to God. Start speaking that over yourself. That's the real you. What they say about you isn't true. What you say about you isn't true. If it doesn't line up with that, what God says about you is what's true. Amen? So the first thing God gives man is an image. The first place that God put male, the male was in Eden. Now we've already talked about this a little bit, but it's so important that you understand how important the presence of God is to your life, to who God has called you to be, to what God's called you to do. Let me, let me give you just a couple of verses that speak to the power that comes from being in the presence of God. In God's presence, you experience the power of God's strength. Look at this verse, 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 16.9. says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. When you're in the presence of God, God can strengthen you with His strength. He can, he can, he can fill you up with a, with a supernatural strength to overcome. In God's presence, you experience the power of God's joy. Psalm 16, 11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence, you experience the power of God's rest. Exodus 33, 14, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. In God's presence, you experience the power of God's wisdom. Or let me say it this way. You experience the power of the secrets of God. You know God's got secrets for you? He's got stuff that he has hidden from the world for you. It's hidden for you. Look at this verse, Psalms 31, 19 through 20. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. In the presence of the Son of Men, you shall hide them. Hide what? Your goodness. In the secret place of your presence, from the plots of man, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the stripes of from the, from the strife of tongues. God has stuff hidden for you. Blessings, goodness, His goodness, hidden. When you get into the presence of God, that goodness, you can experience it. And it can, it can do so much for you. In God's presence, you experience the power of God's help. Psalm 40, some of you recognize this verse. I waited patiently for the Lord. And He inclined me and He heard my cry. He brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. In God's presence, you can experience the power of the help and the strength of God in whatever situation you find yourself in. It's in the presence. The presence is so vital to who we are, so vital to our assignment, so vital to the call of God. Next thing that God gave man was he gave him an assignment. He gave him a job. He gave him Work. Now, this is really interesting. You study this word work, um, it's actually the word aragon, and it actually means, it means to become, to manifest, to fulfill, to reveal. So when God, when God gave him this assignment, when God gave him this call of working, the word work means that he would discover who, is, who he was created to be, that it would be manifested as he moved into his work. So let me kind of explain what this would look like. Um, imagine like I have an apple seed and I take that apple seed and I put it into the dirt and I say to that apple seed, apple seed, 
work. What am I telling that apple seed to do? Become. Become what? Become something greater than it already is. To thrive in its purpose. Everything that that apple seed needs to become the apple tree is in it. And so my command for it to work is my command to invite it to do what it's called to do. So when God gives Adam this assignment, he says, hey, I'm putting you in the garden. Work. He's saying, hey, I'm putting you here. Become. Become who you're called to be. Thrive in this environment. I created you. Inside of you is everything you need for this purpose. Become. Become. So, so here's my question. Do you understand your work? Like your God work. Your become work. Do you understand the reason God puts you on this planet? I'm not talking about your job right now. I'm talking about your kingdom work. The assignment that God said, I need done in this world, so I'm going to create a specific you to fill this world and to become in this world. Do you understand that? God called you to that. Look at this verse. This is interesting. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, right? His own master work, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. It's already been done. Taking paths which are set so that we could walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. You're supposed to manifest a God work. You're called to do something for the kingdom. God sent you to the earth to do something that he's already established you to do. It's in you. You just got to find it. You just got to come to terms with it and discover it. That's your purpose. That's your real purpose. Now, some of you are looking at me right now because you're going, okay, this is news to me. I get it. And, 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 and I think it can be scary because we go, Does this, are you telling me i got to quit my job? No, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm telling you to discover your work. Discover your God work. And discover it. Why? So that you can live in it. Because in it, you're at your best. It's, it's, it's your sweet spot. It's what you were created to do. It's what naturally comes out of you by God. So you got to discover it. you got to find it. you gotta, you got to... You gotta, and, and, and in getting it, then you got to share it. Because yeah. in the sharing of it, man, people around you are going to come alive. Specifically, listen, your spouse. I'm going to talk about marriage for just a moment. I don't know there's some of you in here, you ain't married yet. It's okay. Pay attention. You're, you're a good candidate to be listening right now. Because I'm guessing you want to get married someday. You should. And even if you don't want to get married someday, pay attention. Because you're going to be around people who are married. And you need to be able to support them, right? Amen. Okay. So, so let me help you out. Um, look at verse... Well, no, I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to tell you. In verse 22, God gives Adam Eve. In verse 15, he gave him work. In verse 22, he gives him Eve. And Eve was designed to do what? To help him work, right? So God has ordained him for a kingdom assignment. But, and, and once he gives it to him and he's established in it, then God gives him a woman. So notice, he doesn't get the woman till he gets the work. 
We get this backwards a lot. And if you've gotten it backwards, if you're here and you're going, I, I'm married, but I don't know my work yet, that's okay. You're, it's, it's all, it, God can still work with you, okay? He's really good. But you need to discover it. You know, someday, I got two daughters, and man, I love my girls. I love my girls. If you know my girls, Bo, she looks just like my wife. She's a little, she looks like Sarah, she acts like me. So she has a very special place in my heart. And then Sunny is just, she's just, She's kind of perfect, right? She's not, but she kind of is, okay? And I love my girls. And someday, they're going to get bigger. And there's going to be a boy who comes to my house. He's going to say, hey, I want to marry that girl. And I'm going to say, we got to talk. I feel sorry for this boy. Because I've learned a lot. I really have. I've studied the word a lot. I've learned a lot of things about the kind of boy I want my girls to marry. And I'm going to ask him some questions. And one of the questions I'm going to ask him is, all right, what are you going to do? And when I ask him that question, I don't really care about his job. I do, but I, I care more about what are you called to do? Where do you see this thing going? Why? Because my girls, listen, we are an opinionated family. They are strong girls, and they are going to want to attach themselves to that dude's vision. And if he ain't got a vision, he's going to frustrate them and they're going to frustrate him. And so he needs to understand this. He needs to see this. He needs to have a vision for his purpose under God. Amen? Amen. So, you know, I think sometimes, listen, I think one of the main reasons why women get frustrated with men. You want to know why? Here's why. Because men don't have a vision for their purpose. And so these women come along equipped and created by God to be our helper, and we're not asking them and inviting them to help us with anything. And it's frustrating. Look at verse 18. The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I'll make him a helper. Now, if someone's coming to help you, that means you're doing something, Right? Some of you are frustrated with your wives. She's frustrated with you because you're not doing anything. You don't have a God assignment you're inviting her into. And so she's frustrated. And you get mad and you say, well, my wife's just strong and she's just opinionated and she's just, yeah, dummy, she's strong. She's strong because you need her to be strong. Because God's called you to do something of significance. And if you want to do something of significance, you need somebody strong to come alongside you. Think about this. She's your helper. Okay, think about this. So she's called to help you carry the load. Yeah, right. Now, if I'm moving something heavy, I got to carry a heavy load. Life is a heavy load sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Then I'm going to invite somebody to come along and help me who's either just as strong as me or even better, stronger than me. Yeah. So listen, God gave you a helper. Yeah, God's not a dummy. So you think he's not going to give you someone weaker than you. He's going to give you someone as strong or stronger than you. The strength is different, but it's good. And so the reason why they get frustrated, and you think she's, you know, she's, she's just aggressive. She's just, no, no, she's just, she just has a God assignment on her. And she, she's been created by God to help you with something. But you're not giving her anything to help you with. You know, my wife came alive when I started giving her vision for where we were going to go. I didn't have it all figured out either, just so you know. 
I remember when we first got married, I came to her and I said, hey, I got an idea. And I, it was a God idea. I didn't know it at the time, but I was like, I don't want to get an apartment. Let's get a house right off the bat. And let's get a house, and we'll get, we're going to get a crappy house, because that's all we can afford. But let's get a crappy house, and then we'll fix it up. And, and we'll make it nice, and we'll, we'll flip it. Like, I've been, I've been looking at this, reading this, and let's do it. And, and it took me a little bit of convincing with her. But I, I, I cast a vision for her. I said, hey, I got a purpose here. I got a plan. I got a strategy. And then she grabbed a hold of it. And when she grabbed a hold of it, she, got, she brought her strength to it. And, she, and her strength, man, it became so much greater. She became my helper in it. And she came along and she helped me design and she helped me make these houses nice. And we've, in, in almost 20 years of marriage, we flipped five houses. We've made almost a half a million dollars on these homes. I couldn't have done that on my own, just so you know. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that's the kind of helper God wants to give you. I, I came to my wife at one point. I said, hey, I want to have babies with you. And this is how I want to do it. I want to, have a, I want to raise them in the things of God. I want to raise them like I was raised. I want to raise them to understand who they are in Christ. And then we came together and we started talking about this together. Because it's not just my assignment, it's our assignment. Yeah. See, sometimes we, we separate the two. Okay, we're, we're getting married. She's my helper. So I'm going to make the money. I'm going to do this over here. And then you're going to do this other stuff that I don't necessarily want to do over here. And then that's how you'll help me. No, no, no. We're in this together. All of it together. All of it. And when I bring her into all of it, she becomes help in all. All of it. If you're tracking with me, nod your head like this. That you're not amen to me, good, but this is good stuff. I hope it's hitting you good. Because it really is good. And I'm telling you, you do this, she'll thrive in it. And so what happened, I, I, I give her a vision. We, we cultivate this vision together. And then we have babies. And I'm telling you, she was an incredible mother. Incredible mothers, these children. How she would teach them the word. How she still does to this day. It's amazing. I remember coming to her. And, and again, I didn't have all the vision. I remember coming to her. We were on our, our, the first night of our honeymoon. We were at a, at a restaurant in San Francisco. And we were talking. And we waited a little while to, to have this conversation. But she was like, so what do you, what do you think you're going to do? <laughs> we didn't have that till we were married. But I knew what I was doing. I got to land her first, guys. Landed her. But <laughs> you need to have this figured out. Don't don't. <laughs> I saw my wife, I was like, I got to get this locked down quick. Because if she figures out that I'm, I am not, then we got to get this. Anyway, so, so on our honeymoon, I said, I, I believe I'm called to pastor a church. And I just began to start sharing with her as I got it. Because I didn't have it all then. That's all I had. And then there was a day that I came to her and I said, hey, I think, I, I was praying. I felt like God gave me the name New Song in Psalm 40. And I, I shared that with her. And then there was a day I came to her and I said, hey, I'm feeling more of a tug that we're supposed to lead Gateway and we're supposed to plant a church. I don't know where, but I just, and I just kept inviting her into it and inviting her to pray with me in, into the vision, into the purpose. Hey, we're going to do it this way. When we have a church, this is how we're going to love people. And what do you think about it? And then she would share stuff and she'd come along and we're helping each other. And when we planted the church, listen, she was and is to this day my greatest ally in the assignment of New Song Church. New Song Church is not New Song Church without Sarah. Now listen, if you know Sarah, she little, but she's strong. She's strong. But I need her to be strong. God knew what I needed. So he gave me a strong girl. When we first got married, I'd get frustrated because I wasn't giving her a God assignment. But once I started discovering how to do this, how to share our life together, man, it was amazing. See, a woman is made. Uh, my dad, we were talking about this on the way here. A woman, when, when, when Adam saw Eve... He called her woman. And woman means 
man with a womb, right? She's a, she, was a, she was made with a womb. She's an incubator. And if you know anything about an incubator, what does an incubator do? It takes something, takes it in, strengthens it, and gives it back stronger and, and, and more powerful. That's what an incubator does. That's what women do. So you give a woman, you know, you, you, you give her your seed. And what does she do? She incubates it. And she takes it and she strengthens it and she gives you back a baby. You give her some food, she takes it, she strengthens it, she gives it back to you as a meal. You give her a word, she takes it, she strengthens it, and she gives you back a whole bunch more words, right? <laughs> whole bunch more words. Whatever you give her, she takes it, she strengthens it, and she gives it back to you. So listen, you give her frustration, she takes it, it gets strengthened, and she gives you back hell on earth. Cut that out of the podcast, guys. Here's my point. You can always tell what you're giving a woman by what she's giving back to you. Some of you need to write that down. If you're getting back some stuff from your wife you don't like, quit blaming her and start looking at you. What are you giving her? God's got a vision for your life. And he wants you to grab a hold of it and give it to her. And if you do, I'm telling you, man, she'll take it. She'll increase it. She'll strengthen it. She'll give it back to you better. She's come to walk beside you. But a lot of us, we perish because where there's no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. You know what that means? That means they do their own thing. Maybe some of you say, I just feel like my wife's just kind of doing her own thing. Is it because she doesn't have a vision from you? That she's forced to do that? Am I helping you tonight? Does your family know where you're going? My family knows where we're going. We talk about where we're going. We have a, there's a vision for my marriage. There's a vision for our finances. There's a vision for our kids. There, there's a vision. And we, we're, we're clear on it. We talk about it. We meet about it. She's my ally. And it's through her that I walk in the greatest level of dominion God's called me to walk in. You see why I told all your wives that they'd like you coming to this? But I'm telling you, God showed me this a couple months back, and it was just like, oh my gosh. I'd never seen it. I didn't even realize I was doing it, guys. That's how great, that's how awesome God is. He's that gracious. Well, there's no vision, people perish. Vision or lack of it affects everybody. And, and, and beyond the people around you, it affects you too. When you don't have a vision, it's easy to drift into stuff that you're not supposed to be doing. When you, when you don't have a real vision and a real purpose, it's easy to drift into addiction. It's easy to drift into stuff you shouldn't have any part in. It's easy to, lose, to get off course. It's easy to, to lose self-control. It's easy to not practice personal discipline like you should. When you don't have a real vision, a real purpose. You need a vision. So you say, Pastor Josh, I don't have one. I don't, I don't know what to do. 
Here's all you do. Listen, ask. You just start asking. And I can't promise you you'll have it all tonight. I, I, I'm still getting it. I'm still getting it. Yeah. My dad just says it changes. It really does. It changes all the time. But you ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. The Bible says ask and you will. God's not trying to keep stuff from you. He's really not. If you do stuff his way and invite him in, he'll speak to you. He'll show you what to do. God's given me vision for my life because I keep asking. I just keep asking. And, and I want you to know no matter where you are tonight, no matter how old or young you may be, God has vision and dreams for your life. In fact, look at this verse with me, Joel 2, 28. In fact, Joel 2, 28, and then it's actually this same verse is referenced in uh, Acts 2, 17 by Luke. This is talking about in the, the last days, the end times, which I believe we find ourselves in today. It talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit. I'm talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. God's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. Now, I've, I've read this verse many times, and I've studied this verse some in the past, because I've always, I've always wrestled with, why does it say old men dream dreams and young men see visions? What's the difference there? And I've kind of... Uh, in, in different times, I've kind of spent a little time messing with it. But this week, I was like, I'm going to wrestle this sucker to the ground. I want to know what this means. And so I spent, on Monday, I spent over an hour just looking at this and studying these words, dreams, and, and specifically what this is saying in the Hebrew, what it's saying in the Greek, in the, in the New Testament, what these words mean. What they're, I, I looked at commentaries, and, and after about an hour, I, I, I still didn't have any concept of what was really going on here. <laughs> Because to be honest with you, when you look at the words, um, they both speak to, prof- to, to prophetic, to the prophetic. They speak to an understanding of something that's going to happen in the future. But, but they almost mean dreams and visions, almost from, from a scriptural standpoint, meaning it almost means the exact same thing. My problem is, why did God use two words? <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and why didn't he just say, your young men and old men will dream dreams, or your young men and old men will see visions? He doesn't do that. There's two different words used, even though uh, they have a similar meaning. And so I was like, okay, Lord, it's been an hour. Like, I got, I got to keep going here. Like, I need a revelation. It was at that point that I finally did what I should have done earlier, which is go, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying here? And so I did that. I, I actually am sitting in my... In my uh, in my bedroom, in this chair, studying, and I, I just kind of closed my laptop, and I closed my eyes, and I said, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? I just, I just sat there for a minute and listened, and immediately the Holy Spirit began to, to speak to me. It's like he's been waiting on me to do all this research, just kind of going, whenever you're ready, bro, I got the answer here, and so I, 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 I asked him, and when I asked him, he gave me the answer. Here's what he said. A vision is something you're working towards to fulfill within your lifetime. A dream is something you're working towards, but you recognize the fulfillment of it may not take place within your lifetime. So a dream is a vision that, you cannot, that cannot be accomplished in your lifetime, so you pass it on to the next generation. If you're young, it's a vision. Why? Because 
because you're young and you can actually complete it. You can accomplish it. Now, it's even interesting that it's a dream and it's a vision because the Bible, in fact, Jesus, there's even times that Jesus says, talking about someone's death, he says, they're just asleep. And what happens when you sleep? You dreams become fulfilled. Okay, so hopefully you're tracking with me. If you're, if you're older, here's the reason why it's a different word. Because if you're older and it's visions, which means it has to be accomplished by you in your lifetime, then if it has to be that way, it's based a little bit in your strength. And there comes a moment when it ain't going to be able to be fulfilled. And so at that moment, your race ends. But if it's a dream, it's going to be passed on. You're going to run your race all the way up till your dying breath. Because you recognize I'm handing this off to somebody. It's going to be fulfilled after I'm gone. Are you guys following with me? So if you're older, it keeps you running the race. And if you're younger, it keeps you running the race. My point is this. Wherever you find yourself, old or young, God's got visions. And he's got dreams for you. He's got a purpose for your life. A God-ordained purpose. An assignment that you were called to fulfill. That he placed you here. He said, hey, I need this specific thing done. So I'm going to take this seed of this person and I'm going to put them right there. Work. Wow. Accomplish. Do it. So here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to close tonight. I'll go ahead and invite somebody up here to do something with an instrument. <laughs> That'd be you. Okay, come on up. You guys can both come up. It'll be great. I wasn't exactly sure how this would land, so I just said, we'll figure it out. But we can do that at a men's retreat, right? Yeah. The girls will be judging me right now, but you guys aren't. <laughs> but here's what I believe. I believe God spoke to me. He said, hey, I want to I impart in, in these men my God dream for them, my God vision for them, my God purpose for them. Maybe you know what it is. God's going to show you more of it. Maybe you have no clue. God may just give you the seed. I don't know what he's going to do, but I really do believe God's going to start something tonight. He's going to speak something to you. He's going to begin to reveal some stuff to you. He's going to give you something that you can begin to share with the world around you. You say, I'm not married. I don't have anybody to share it with. You've got people around you to share it with. There are people that can grab a hold of your dream. Attach themselves to your dream. So here's what I want you to do. I want, I want everybody, let's go ahead and let's stand up. Let's stand up together. Let's just take a moment. And right now, I'll, I'll remind you that the God we serve is the king of a kingdom. Let's approach him as a king. How do you approach a king? Humble. You approach a king in a worshipful attitude. So let's just take a moment here and let's approach the king once again. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, you are the king of kings, Lord of lords. With your own mouth, I want you to start just worshiping the Lord with your own words. You don't have to be perfect. God meets you right where you are. Just start, begin to start sharing your heart with him. Lord, I love you. I praise you. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. You've been so good to me throughout my life. I'm here today because you're a good God. What can you thank God for? 
Thank Jesus for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I deserved hell. I deserved eternal separation. But Jesus, you made a way. Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you that you gave me a woman of God to come alongside me. I thank you for the men in here that are married. I pray, Lord God, for their wives right now. I pray, Lord God, that their wives would be able to grab a hold of the dream that you placed in them. That they would come together corporately as the family to do what you've called them to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for men in here who aren't married right now. I pray, Lord, you have a spouse for them. Somewhere out there. Someone who's come. You want to bring alongside them to help them in the, in the assignment you have for their life. There's not a man in this room you didn't design for a purpose. There's not a man in this room who doesn't have a seed that can accomplish and produce great things for your kingdom in them. Not a man in this room who's a mistake. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing along people beside us in all areas of our life. Praise you, God. Thank you for connecting us with other men to walk beside us in our purpose. And so, Lord, we've come to you. We recognize you as a king. You are a king. We, we humbly say right now, we ask you, would you speak vision to these men tonight? Would you show them what you've called them to do? Give them a glimpse into the assignment into the purpose. Lord, we thank you that vision, listen to this, vision is purpose in pictures. Thank you, Lord, that you give them a glimpse of their purpose in pictures. Help them to start to see it. They may not see it all, but help them to see some of it. Give them a glimpse. Help them to see it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you right now. You download into them. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to communicate this to their spouse. Lord, for, the, for, for, for us who have not done a good job of this, we repent. We repent where we have not invited our spouse into this. Pray that you would help us to mend that. Help us where we've seen our spouse the wrong way. Forgive us, Lord, for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. I, I encourage you over the next couple days and even the next couple weeks, and even the rest of your life. God's going to keep showing you stuff. You just keep asking. You know, it was funny. I would ask God for years to give me the name of the church. I knew I was supposed to, call, I was supposed to plant a church. And I knew it was going to have a unique name, but I could not. I, I would try to come up with names, and it just never fit. And I just kept asking God, God, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's the name of the church? And God wouldn't give it to me. I know now why. Because he wanted to keep me on assignment. He would give me enough to keep me in the place I needed to be in the moment until it was time to step into the assignment. But I kept asking. And when the time was right, I'll never forget it. I'm driving from Tulsa to Dallas, Texas, where I was living at the time. And I said, Lord, what's the name of the church? And I'm telling you, boom. He gave me the name and he gave me the verse. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He set my feet upon the rock, gave me a firm place to stand. Many will see what the Lord has done and they'll put their trust in him. He gave me all, and it was like, oh my gosh. And then from there, just more vision kept unpacking. I encourage you, stay in the moment and keep pursuing the purpose. Amen.
Say, it's on me. It's on me. 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 Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in this place. I pray for what you're going to do over the next several days. Lord, I pray that tonight it would not be about me in this moment. It would be all about you. Lord, the reason we want to walk in our purpose is for you because you're good and the world needs you. And us walking in our purpose means your kind of fruit goes into the world. That's what we want. That's what the world needs. It needs us to walk in our purpose, Lord. The world needs us to step into our purpose. The world needs our marriage to reflect the purpose of God, to reflect the image of God. The world needs our kids to be trained up in the purposes of God. The world needs this, Lord. The world needs you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.